Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. because it just airs constantly, right? Like it just, they run that marathon. I guess it's some, some part of people's traditions, you know, like you have to have that going as your chaos is unfolding in your, in your living room. And right, we, we all know the you'll shoot your eye out story, the Red Rider BB gun. There's some kids that I know their parents have bought the imitation pink bunny suit for them to wear at school this week. A lady was telling me that, that uh, the, the mom ordered the pink bunny suit for the boy to wear to school on a special theme, school, uh, theme day at one of the elementary schools is Clear Creek. And, and she said when it came in, it was too small. And I thought, well, th- praise God for that boy. You know, I'm so thankful for him. Sadly, instead, his mom got this great idea to put a stuffed uh, squirrel on his back and he became Clark Griswold. So I don't know about that, but... Yeah, we, we see that movie. I remember a time when my dad just hated it. You know, it's just, oh, the stupid movie again, you know. And nothing biblical about it, but, but it is a story that we know. And I've chosen to just put it up there because it is called A Christmas Story. Right? There are many Christmas stories, and that's just a Christmas story. But what is the Christmas story? We're going to look at that this morning. The true Christmas story. You know, the true Christmas story is about the incarnation. That word incarnation, right, it's not that chocolate drink that I liked as a kid that was good for me. Uh, incarnation means that, that God became flesh. He, he took on flesh. He was fully God and fully man for us. And this is the, the true Christmas story. This is what Christmas is all about. Now for us four men, we were in the great country of Nicaragua last week. I was loving it with highs in the 90 and lows in the 72, and then we came back to the cold, and, and it was different. Uh, we didn't see all of the American Christian stuff that, that we put on. You know, you didn't see trees and lights. You know, maybe here and there you, you might find something, but uh, it wasn't so commercial, and, and uh, it was just, it was different. We had a, a great trip, amazing trip, by the way. But one of the things we did hand out to a lot of people, something special to remind them of the true meaning of Christmas, was a, a little nativity scene. And it just had Joseph and Mary and the, and the baby in the, in the manger. And we gave this to some of the family. We also gave away these little stickers that was just the manger scene, right? If you can't really communicate well in Spanish, you can sort of give this and they kind of know what you're trying to communicate, right? Joseph and Mary and, and the baby. And so even in the villages, we were giving this out just as a way of saying, you know what? Hey, Feliz Navidad, the, um, this is what it's all about, right? It's all about Jesus. We do this in Jesus' name. We we give this to you in Jesus' name because this is the true story of Christmas. This is the real Christmas meaning. For us, as American Christians, we need to make sure that our Christmas is Christian. Is your Christmas Christian? We sometimes have to work at that because there's so much in our culture, right, that we have to stop and go, is my Christmas really biblical? Is my Christian 
is my Christmas really, really Christian? And to put the main focus on the true story of Christmas. And so, there, man, each, each season, you know, pastors, they try to think how they're going to approach this that's different from the years before that they've, that they've preached it. And this morning, I just want us to read the true Christmas story in Luke chapter 1, part 1. Come back next week and we'll do part 2 on Christmas Eve and we'll get to the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. You know that only Matthew and Luke deal with the nativity story. Uh, Mark just jumps kind of right in. Uh, uh, John begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. But Luke gives us the most, Matthew gives us some too. So we're going to look at the Christmas story, the true Christmas story, in five main sections this morning. Five sections today. Section number one is the introduction. The introduction. We see this in the first four verses. The introduction is from Luke as he writes his letter. And you see A and B. You see the purpose of the gospel. You also see the person. The person that was writing it, but also the person to whom it was addressed. So let's, let's notice the introduction, the purpose, and the person. Luke chapter 1. Luke writes, Inasmuch as many, several, lots of people, have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, to me. Luke was a historian. He researched this. This is careful. He says, um, a lot of people have compiled this. Um, I'm going back to the eyewitnesses and the sources. This message has been delivered to us. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account, perhaps even chronological, more, more systematic. For you, most excellent Theophilus, perhaps a person means God lover, that you, so that you, so that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. The introduction gives us the purpose Gives us the person, Luke writing, Luke the medical doctor, Luke the historian, Luke the Gentile. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, written by a, a Gentile. But he says, I'm writing this so you can know that this is true, that this is reliable. I want to make an orderly account. Lots of people have their oral traditions that they're passing down. And some have even tried to write different gospels, right? We have four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But he says, I want to write this to you so that you can know the things that you've been taught, so that you can have them. This was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what he's going to give us is, in the Christmas story, a, a sequence. You have an announcement, and then you have an announcement, and then you have a visit between two women, and then you have a birth, and then you have a birth. You have an announcement of the messenger, then you have an announcement of the Messiah being born. Then you have a visit of those two women, and then you have the birth of the messenger, and then you have the birth of the Messiah. So this is the sequence. Today, what I want you to notice is, I want you to notice the privilege of the parents. The privilege of the parents and the position of their sons. Two sons were promised. One the messenger and one the Messiah. And there were different sets of parents. Some were young and some were old. Some were virgins and some were not. But they had this privilege. And there are two special births 
that Luke wants to tell us about, to remind us of. These two special births would bring a new air into humanity. These two special births would come out to the 400 years of silence and would change history, would change my life, would change your life, would, would give us salvation. This is what Christmas is all about. And so we start there. Section number one, of course, the introduction. Section number two, I want you to see that it is the prophecy of the birth of John. The prophecy of the birth of the messenger, the announcement of the birth of the messenger, and we see that in verses 5 through 23. I want to give you four sub-points under this one. We're going to look at and read together. Hey, I want you to see the parents, that the parents were three Ds. Let's look at them, verses 5 through 7. He keeps writing. Now, in the days of Herod, boy, that was a king. You have to go read about him. King of Judea. There was a priest named Zechariah, Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, so they're both from the priestly line. It's a pretty holy and great couple. Her name was Elizabeth. Go and look at Zechariah and Elizabeth and what their names mean. Like the Lord remembers, he remembers his covenant, he remembers his promise. He was, he was doing something. Verse 6 talks about the parents, and they were both righteous before God. They were good. Um, they were holy, they weren't perfect, but, but they were living according to God's word, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But, verse 7 says, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. She never had kids. That was looked down upon, like well, something must be wrong with her, right? And both were also advanced in years, past the age of childbearing. So notice first in this prophecy of, of the birth of the messenger and the birth of John, the parents. We're told about the parents. Luke says that these people were dedicated to God. They were dedicated to service. They were devoted to the, the commands. They were devoted to each other. They were, they were devoted to the Lord. But the third D is this, that they were disappointed. Why? They had no child. They had no offspring, Right? People would have looked and said, well, it must be because of some sin in their life. Why has God not given this holy couple any, any children? They're advanced in years now. Notice the parents. Next, letter B, notice the promise that is made. A promise that's made to the father Zechariah. Look at verses 8 through 13. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen out of that division, chosen by lot, right, when they would draw, to enter the temple of the Lord into that holiest place to burn incense. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. That doesn't occur often. Now, you may serve, but to be chosen to go in, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. And he's got to be excited. His wife's got to be excited. Verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside to God. The hour of incense. And then, verse 11 says, There appeared to him an angel of the Lord, breaking the silence, right? Standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. I would be too, you would be too. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, This is the first of four, Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Go, go study him. Fear not, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard. Well, what prayer? Prayers for the nation? 
that he's offering, the prayers for redemption and salvation and, oh, we need rescue, our country, or a prayer for a son. I mean, I don't think he's just there selfishly praying for a son, right? He's playing, praying for salvation and for redemption for his nation and rescue, but he's also praying for his son. I mean, he, God knows his heart. Your prayers have been heard. Here's the promise. Your wife will bear a son, not a daughter. It's a daughter, all bets are off. You shall call his name John, and you will, you will, have joy and you will have gladness and I'll just stop right there and we'll get 14 a and b again in this prophecy of the birth of John we see the parents dedicated devoted but a little disappointed over things there all of a sudden occurs to Zechariah a a vision an angel appears Gabriel the messenger and a promise is made you will have a son you need to name him John and you are going to have joy joy pink candle right joy joy there's there's joy for you letter C we get next the prediction the angel will make a prediction of the forerunner a prediction about the messenger and you see that in verses 14 and 17 look at what I left off though he says and you will have joy and gladness, but it's really a double joy. It's a twofold joy. And many will rejoice at his birth. Hey, you and Elizabeth are going to have joy and gladness, but also many in the nation will rejoice at his birth. Why? Here's the prediction. He will, and it's really a prophecy. I mean, I'm just going with the you know, alliteration. <laughs> For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. He'll take that kind of vow, almost like that Nazarite vow. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Right? This is a new era. He'll be spirit-led, even initially, even in the womb, verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord. Wow, repentance. They will repent. This is fulfillment of a Malachi prophecy. He'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and He will go before Him. He's the forerunner. He's the messenger. He'll go before the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah to do what? Here's the prediction, the prophecy, fulfillment. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. The message is, it's a prediction, here's what the forerunner will do. Here's what the messenger, the the one that would go and announce the way. Look, the Lamb of God is coming, takes away the sins of the world. So it's all about this announcement, this prophecy. You're going to have a supernatural birth, a supernatural son. He's going to be different. Here's some of the things that he will do. This is what his ministry is going to be like. But then look lastly at the problem and the punishment. There is a problem for Zechariah, and there's also a punishment for Zechariah. So you get the parents, the promise, the prediction of just how great that son will be and how unique he will be. But also there is this problem going on in Zechariah's heart, and as a result he receives a punishment. Verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I guess that's the way you say it. You don't say your wife's old. You just say she's advanced in years. Verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this gospel. Euangelion, the Greek word good news. 
This is what Luke's writing, a, a gospel, a, an account of the good news. And the, and the angel's saying, I'm, I'm telling you the good news. This is the, the good news. It begins in the manger, right? It begins with a forerunner. It begins with someone that will go and prepare the way. I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm, I'm bringing you good news. But you have this problem in your heart, and God knows it. In verse 20, here's kind of like the punishment. Behold, you will be silent. You'll be unable to speak. You'll be mute until the day, until the day the things take place. John, this is also a sign to you. I know you have doubts. And it, me and my grace, I'm going to give you uh, a sign to show that this is real. And the sign, sadly, it's kind of like a punishment too. Um, you're going to be mute until then. And, and this is how you'll know it, it really is true. You didn't just eat some bad matzo bread the night before. Verse 21. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were wondering at his delay in the temple, what's going on in there? And when he came out, Truly it was fulfilled. He was not able to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them. Can you imagine? And he remained mute. He's trying to communicate. And when his time of service ended, he went to his home. This is kind of this problem of doubt in his heart. And he's going to be punished. But it's also in some way God's grace of saying, this is how you'll know it's, it really is me. You're, you're not going to be able to speak until it, this is accomplished. So you see the introduction, the purpose, the person. You see the prophecy of the birth of John. It's this birth announcement. Next, thirdly, I want you to see the pregnancy of Elizabeth. Just in a few verses. Look at verses 24 and 25, this turning point of this pregnancy. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Hallelujah. That's supernatural. And for the first five months of her pregnancy, she kept herself hidden. She didn't need a whole lot of talk going around saying this. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And a supernatural conception took place. Old age couple. She is pregnant. We move to the fourth section. The fourth section also contains a birth announcement. And it's the prophecy of the birth of Jesus. The prophecy of the birth of Jesus foretold, verse 26 all the way to verse 56. But first again, I want you to notice that it begins with the parents. So let's notice the parents in verse 26 and 27. In the sixth month, who's sixth month? The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Right? For five months she was in hiding, but in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was dispatched again and was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. Somebody said, if a man be wise, let him go to Jerusalem. If he wants to be rich, let him go to Galilee or to Nazareth. And they were fishermen, and, and uh, Galilee was looked down upon. Uh, Nazareth? Remember, can anything good come from Nazareth? Remember what they said? But this is where the parents are located. Gabriel goes to the city of Galilee, a city of Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed or engaged. Now that was serious, much more serious than what our culture does. To a man whose name was Joseph. Very important that we know about Joseph, that he is of the house of David. It ties back to all those Old Testament covenant promises. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, Gabriel did, and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. It's not like the Catholics say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. They, they base that on a wrong translation. She's not full of grace. She is shown 
grace. She's not a dispenser of grace. She is a receiver of grace. That's the way our text reads. Um, Greetings, O favored one. Uh, You you who are receiving grace, the Lord is with you. Uh, Mary received grace. She received favor. She doesn't give grace and give favor, so we don't pray to her. Hail Mary, full of grace, right? She doesn't dispense grace. We're not Catholic, right? But Mary, you're going to be graced. You're going to receive favor. The Lord is with you, but she was greatly troubled at the saying, I would be, you would be. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, fear not, don't be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. And behold, that's a key word in all of this check. Behold, we don't use that today. Behold means check this out. And there's always a sign given. And behold, check this out. You're going to be quiet for a few months, Zacharias. You're going to have a time out. Um, And watch, because watch what the behold is. And behold, check this out. You will conceive in your womb, supernatural, virgin birth, And you're going to bear a son. If it's a daughter, all bets are off. And you shall call his name Jesus. Right? Yeshua, Yahashua, the Lord is salvation. The parents. Verses 26 and 27. I read a little bit more there. We notice that Jesus is going to be the son of Mary. That Jesus is the son of God. He has no earthly father. Jesus is the son of God. He's the son of God. That means he has no inherited sin from the father. He has no imputed sin from the race of Adam. He's different. He he is fully God and he is fully man. That's called a hypostatic union. This indescribable collision where humanity and deity meet, right? And the son of God is going to be born. We learn about this prophecy, the parents. Next, we learn about the promise that's, that's made to Mary. The promise made to Mary. There are three things here. First, we see the description of the Messiah. The description of the Christ, right? As I begin to read, he gives her this greeting, the Lord is with you. She's a little misunderstanding about this. But go back to verse 31. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb. You'll bear a son. You 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 really could number that one. You should call his name Jesus. You could almost number that one. But watch what happens in verses 32 and 33 and on to 35, really. He will be, number one, great. He'll be called, this is the description. He was going to be great, just like John was going to be great. He's going to be great. Uh, Number two, he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him, number three, the throne of his father David. And he will reign, that's number four, reigning over the house of Jacob forever. And then number five of his kingdom, there'll be no end. There were five ways that he's really described. Great, son of the most high, he'll have a throne, he'll have some type of reigning, and he will have a kingdom. But he's also a son and he's also going to be called Jesus. I mean, part of the promise made to Mary is this description of, of Jesus, what he'll be like. His identity. After the description, there is an explanation. Because she needs one, there's an explanation of the conception. So the description of Christ, but now the explanation of the conception. Look at verses 34 to 45. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? I've told you this before. Zechariah goes, How shall I know this, for I'm an old man? And God goes, Time out. you got to... Not speak. But Mary goes, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. And God gives her an answer. 
The reason is, is because God sees the heart. It's not wrong to question God, but it's wrong to question God in the wrong way with doubt in your heart. And he saw Zechariah's doubt in the heart, but for Mary, he, he just saw her humbly asking, and so she doesn't get a time out. You're not going to be able to speak, Mary. He, he gives her another sign. We'll see it. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her. Here's the explanation of the conception. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy Look at this, the Son of God. He's unique, He's different. Here's the sign. You want something to check out? And behold, check this out, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And, uh, excuse me, for nothing is or ever will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the Lord's slave, uh, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She gets this explanation of the conception, but she also gets a sign for her, for her doubts. Look at it in verses 39 to 45. In those days Mary arose. Wouldn't you? Check this out. Let's see if this really was real. And went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah, and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby John, who was promised to have the Holy Spirit even in the womb, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me to my house? For behold... Check this out, Mary. When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt, leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Jesus, His birth is prophesied. There's a, a description of the Christ. There is this explanation of the conception. But also there is this, this great visit where it's even explained and, and confirmed. And look, this is the sign when these two men, uh, excuse me, when these two women meet, right? An announcement to Zechariah and Elizabeth, an announcement now to, to Mary, to Joseph, that, that two special men are going to be born, one the messenger, the other the Messiah. And they go and they meet and the two are right in the womb and things are going on and, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so now we have the pregnancy of, of these two ladies. And then there is the adoration of God. Mary adores the Lord. You're going to see this again. But let's look at verses 46 to 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Why? Because He's looked on the humble estate of His servant. That lowly girl. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, shown grace and favor for he who is mighty. I love that verse. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation, even to 2023, 20, 24. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate, like Joseph and Mary. He's filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring 
forever. Her prayer is echoing lines from the Psalms. Her prayer is really similar to Hannah when Hannah praised the Lord for the birth of her son Samuel in the Old Testament. But she's, she's glorifying the Lord. She's adoring God. This is her submission. She's just submitting to God and to God's plan, even if it means death to her, because unfaithfulness or pregnancy and the betrothed could be punished by stoning. But she's just submitting to the Lord. And then verse 56 says she remained with her about three months. I mean, in my math, that would put it at nine months. I don't know if she stayed till John was born or if she went just right before he was born. But she's right there. And then she returns home. She returns home. So we see so far in the true Christmas story, there is this introduction. right? This is the purpose of everything. The, the person, it is reliable. You can certainly trust it. Then you see a birth announcement, prophecy of John. You see the pregnancy. You see the prophecy of, of the birth of Jesus. Uh, you see that, that right, Elizabeth is pregnant. Now Mary is pregnant. And now number five, we see this, that John is born. We see the birth of John. Luke chapter 1, let's read verses 57 to 66. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. It was true. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. She was rejoicing. They were rejoicing. The nation was going to be able to rejoice. And on the eighth day when they came to circumcise the child, they, they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. They were obedient to that. And they said to her, Well, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called or named. And he asked for a writing tablet. Right? He's still mute. And he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke. And when he spoke, he blessed God, he adored God, he praised God. And fear, awe, wonder came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts or treasured them in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? The hand of the Lord was with him. When we got, finally get the birth of John, we first get letter A, the identification of the boy. He will be identified as John. This is his name. And there's got to be something special about John. And then we see, much like Mary's case, that Zechariah adores God. Mary's song is called the, what, the Magnificat, or Zechariah's is called the Benedictus, or Something like that is from the Latin right words in those songs. But he does the same thing that Mary does. He, he wants to adore God. He wants to praise God. So let's read his beautiful song in verses 67 to 80 as we wind things down. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Why? For he's visited and redeemed his people. He's in that process. He's raised up a horn of salvation, power. Horn doesn't mean like horn trumpet or horn po It means power, like it was a symbol of power. He's raised up powerful salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, it's that line, he has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, even like Rome. To show the mercy promised to our fathers. To remember His holy covenant. Always faithful. Verse 73. The oath that He swore to our father Abraham. 
to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, John, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, the forerunner, the messenger. You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to tell people to repent the kingdom of God is near, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isn't that beautiful? Adoration. In verse 80, the last verse of the chapter says, And the child John the Baptist grew. He became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. And he would come forth, and you can read about that in John, or excuse me, in Luke chapter three, and in John's gospel also, in, in chapter one, as John the man steps on the scene. Hallelujah! The Son of God was born. Amen. This is the true meaning of Christmas. This is the true Christmas story. Let's just make sure that this Christmas we adore God. Amen. That we adore God like Mary did. That we adore God like Zechariah did. You know what my fear is? And you say, well, Pastor, that was kind of just a simple story. of My fear is that we don't tell it enough, that our children know a Christmas story, you'll shoot your eye out, better than they know the Christmas story, the true Christmas story of an announcement, an announcement, a visit, a birth, a birth, all that were supernatural, all that were of God, all that would change the world and, and bring us salvation, we have to adore God. We have to preach the true message of Christmas because so many don't know it. So many won't hear it this season. At best, they'll, they'll get some glimpse or probably even some error that they watch on the History Channel this year. We worship the Lord. He who is mighty has done great things for us. This is the salvation, right? This is what we should think about every time we, we see a manger scene. Do you have a manger scene on your tree or is it just lost among all the other, right? we got to keep Christ in Christmas and make sure our Christmas is, is Christian and keep saying, oh, this is for us. Prophetic. Fulfillment. The silence being broken. I love these. You could go home and you could really look at these two cases. There are similarities to each. Similarities for each of the parents. Similarities in each of the sons. But there are also differences in the parents. There are also differences in the sons. You can compare and contrast. You see the two birth announcements and the two births. A child is born supernaturally, but he's born to the elderly. A child is born supernaturally, but he's born to a virgin. Why? For our redemption. Why? For our salvation. This is, this is you push all the other way. This is, this is Christmas. Our salvation. Our redemption. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ. So I'll leave you with three things you can do this week, this Christmas, based on the passage. Three things. Number one, repent. Repent, right? To turn the hearts. John would, would cry out repentance, and Jesus would preach repentance. I mean, I mean, the first thing the Christian Christmas story should make us do is it should make us repent of our sin. We should turn to God. 
Right? We should turn to Him and the, the true meaning and, and repent and say, Lord, I, I need to get right with you. There's some things, Lord, that, that I need to, to say, Lord, I confess this is sin. I, I know it's been wrong in my life and you've been dealing with me and, Lord, you've convicted me and I just want to confess it and I want to receive forgiveness. So repent today. Secondly, worship. Right? So many worship. The shepherds worshiped, right? Mary's worshiping in song. Zechariah is worshiping, and we should worship too. We've got to find time amidst all the busyness to, to let our feet be in that way of peace and find the peace when we can just worship the Lord, right? And just say, Lord, thank you um, for this season and what it truly means when all is swept away. And Lord, thank you. I'm worshiping you, I'm adoring you. And the third thing would be this to surrender. Mary, in, in beautiful faith, in, in humbleness of heart, said, I'm your servant, I'm your slave, whatever you want from me. If it causes me death, if, it, if I lose the man that I love, if, if I have to sacrifice everything, I'll surrender, right? The Christmas story is about surrender, right? That these men would surrender to the plan of God. John the Baptist and Jesus to his heavenly Father submit and surrender to the plan of salvation, so we should surrender too. We should surrender our lives. We should read this and, and say, yeah, he's mighty, he's done great things, and I'll, I'll do anything. Lord, I'll, I'll surrender to you. The holy, true message of Christmas. Holy is the Lord. Holy is his throne in glory. Holy is the, the manger scene, right? Holy was his baptism. Holy was the Mount of Transfiguration, right? I mean, holy is the cross. Holy was the blood that flowed down at, at Calvary. Holy is the empty tomb. Holy was the, the holy mountain where he ascended and said, you had my first advent, one day you'll have my, my second advent, right? Holy is the, the, the place where he's enthroned now with angels and multitudes worshiping him. And so let's just make sure that we, that we have a, a holy Christmas. Come to Christ today by faith. Re receive the ultimate gift, the indescribable gift, the, the gift of salvation. And, and let's all worship Him. Let's bless the Lord. Let's receive His blessing and, and praise Him forever. Let's Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.